It's episode 100 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Ean. Today on the program is Trent Walton, founder of the Austin, Texas-based design agency, Paravel. We're going to talk about developing strong, long-term relationships with our clients and how to develop a sustainable practice. Trent, I'm just thrilled to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you very much. Uh, It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. Great. It's, it's great. And actually, you know what? Before we get started, I just wanted to take a couple of moments here to mark this milestone. You know, like it's 100 episodes of a podcast uh, that we started a bunch of years ago. Um, and it just makes me thrilled that we kind of got this far. It's been really, really cool. Uh, I started this a few years ago with this really kind of simple goal, uh, which was I wanted an excuse to talk to people who were kind of making our digital future, uh, shaping it, you know, because I thought they would have really interesting stories uh, and that there were likely a lot of new voices that uh, could use a platform like that to be heard. Uh, And specifically, I wanted to dig into how the craft of design was just becoming more and more important, uh, it seemed, year after year in in the last decade or so. Uh, and, and there was a bunch of kind of trends to that that I wanted to dig into. And as I looked back this past week over the last, over all of these hundred episodes, um, it, some of the stuff that I realized that we've really covered here is that, you know, more and more designers are getting far enough along in their careers to get to sea level positions. And I found that super interesting. That was not the case a decade ago. Um, chief design officers, chief product officers. So I'm, you know, I'm always curious what that means for how companies make decisions and understand their customers and really the impact that that's happening, you know, not just financially, but ethically, I think is something we've looked at a lot. Uh, in the entrepreneurial world where I spend most of my time just seeing more and more companies, you know, like Airbnb and Pinterest founded by designers, uh, companies that didn't target other designers and make design products, but these, these are focused on general, you know, global audiences. And I found that super interesting. So we've talked to a bunch of people that, uh, have founded companies with a background in design. Uh, and then really like looking at how the world uh, was changing when we started this podcast, and especially how that's accelerated in the last year, uh, and how dramatic that has been, uh, was just like this acknowledgement by the design industry that so many uh, groups uh, in our society were underrepresented. You know, not just by the design industry, but by our country and world in general, uh, and the, how that has brought such a new urgency to what we have practiced for decades in design, which is that the things we make absolutely have to be usable and accessible to everybody across all dimensions of abilities and identity. Um, that's been a huge theme that we've talked about on this podcast. And, uh, and it also means that those products need to be designed by teams that represent all that diversity. Uh, and even the pathways to design leadership need to be more equitable uh, than they have been in the past. Um, so poignant over the last, uh, you know, nine, 12 months in particular. So that's kind of some of the motivations to have a hundred conversations about design. Um, and Trent, if you give me just one more minute, I, I'm keeping you waiting. I'm sorry. Uh, but I did want sure. to j- just say thank you to uh, for all the support of the show. Like Mike Hurley and Stephen Hackett, they're the founders of Relay FM. They gave us a shot on their network. Uh, they work so hard, not just for the financial viability of all of this, but really um, – They've just built everything around this wonderful community, and I'm so grateful for that. Jim Metzendorf is our audio engineer. He handcrafts all the episodes, make them sound their best. And really, it's all of you who listen 
uh, who have subscribed. Honestly, the whole reason for the existence of this show. Uh, so happy to have all of you here to hear from you all so often. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a hundred of them. Now, uh, now we get started on the next round. So, and I'm glad to have you here to do that. Trent, how are you? Thanks. Doing well. Uh, enjoying this December, getting ready for a, for a home move, but, uh, Building websites along the way uh, simultaneously. <laughs> you've so. been uh, you've been building websites for a little while, haven't you? Yeah, the backstory, my backstory at least, is um, that I got out of college uh, with really no idea what I was going to do. I studied child and family development with, with no indication that I was going to do. That. I just wanted out. I, I mean, I was always sort of. Uh, I mean, I'm in the the client services business for web design, but I mean, I've always sort of known that I was going to start my own thing. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got out, a friend I, I had known in high school, Dave Rupert, I was like, can you teach me like real HTML? Like, I want to know how to do this for real. And so I paid him $80 in 2001 or 2002. I can't really remember. To just teach me. And he pulls open Dreamweaver and, Fi- and Fireworks. Yeah. And we just get into it. And so that was it. Uh, you know, we kind of bounced around different jobs for years. He was... He taught me the week before he moved to Japan to teach English for three years for this program that was a part of the University of Texas. But he gets he comes back and uh, Reagan and Dave and I we'd known each other since like like I said since we were in high school and uh, kind of we're all contracting you know for like the local pool builder or whatever you know the local church building websites ourselves uh, kind of independently or getting jobs wherever. And finally, they they had moved to do a project at the same time, uh, working kind of collaboratively on the design and the front end of things. And uh, like pay was delayed and all these kind of hiccups had happened and there was a lot of stress on their end. And I think that was kind of the moment we had all decided that collectively we wanted to, 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 to get together and like make a go of it ourselves. So we uh-huh. kind of had a little bit more control over our own destiny you know, maybe hopefully we would get to a point where we could pick and choose the jobs that we take uh, and all those sorts of things. So I think it's 2006 or 2007 when we formally, you know, filed the LLC and became Paravel um, and have been doing something under that name, mostly designing and building websites for clients uh, since then. That's pretty cool. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I, we, you and I've known each other for a long time, probably since then, I think. And I've been mm-hmm. a, I've been a fan, not just of the like the quality of the work that you guys always do, but uh, the kind of, I guess, almost the quality of life that you balance, like with the service that you provide, or 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 maybe the other way around, like the desire to create something uh, of value, but at a scale that feeds into like where your values are. And I find that really interesting. And in contrast to a lot of the stuff that I went through with consulting and adaptive path, we can talk about that in a little bit. But, but I'm I'm curious about that decision of you guys made to kind of control your own destiny and to go into client services as a way to do that. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was based on good advice. I mean, my father start. This is going to make me sound really unoriginal. My father started a company with two people, <laughs> and they stayed together for thirty. 30- over 30 years. And so that was kind of the, like an influence for me was just, you have to be patient. You have to show up and you have to do, you know, you have to do something that's sustainable. And with that model of 30 years, you think, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this where today I, I can do the best work for clients and, and, and do the best work with my cohorts? 
and then what you know how is that going to sustain itself for years to come so um I, uh, my wife bonnie and i we got married kind of around the same time a, few, a couple of years before we started paravel and i remember being on vacations and getting like emails from clients that were totally justified uh hmm. but it was like oh, we need to make a change and i'm checking you know my phone or whatever on on you know like a weekend trip with her and i pretty quickly realized that like the work life balance was kind of garbage and it was they could have been really trivial uh chain you know requests but for some reason there was this narrative in my head where it's like well i'm i'm trying to relax well and then we realized quickly it's all my fault so um there's a lot of like self work and just preparation kind of in the early days um we we all kind of knew that we had to work on how we work work on our relationships that you know the three of us at Paravel and then how that kind of bleeds into to our like personal lives and real lives because there's a lot of overlap because we have such a history together but um so the early on i mean that that was kind of it we 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 spent a lot of time obviously just like trying to make pennies to keep things going you know when we first started it was call every single person you know that might need a website and it was the kind of gold rush of that which was fun it was like the only way to get a website if you weren't going to like homestead.com or geocities was you had to hire somebody. And so it was great. Like we just, anyone who needed their first website, we would build those. But, uh, you know, throughout all that, there was a lot of time that we had to spend on like this idea that we're going to do this for like double digit years. And how are we going to sustain that? And, you know, for us, just as important as the like financial side of things was the the relationship between the three of us and anyone else um, that we worked with. And we found that by doing that, it has helped obviously kind of like work-life balance and help us kind of maintain like some sort of like lifestyle that we, we, we want. But it's also made us, I think, better for our clients, especially now where we've gone from the like building websites for mom and pop shops, like small restaurants. I mean, there are platforms that can do that for them. They do not need like a parallel type of situation to do that. Yep. So now we, we, we work with larger teams. So whenever you need like a team like us, we we've got each other sussed out. So it's kind of this sure thing where we're bringing like a dynamic that hopefully could like energize or just like, even without, you know, any drama, just kind of step in and seamlessly, uh, begin collaboration just because I think that, that that's our model is that it's just as important the morale and the vibe mm. um, to achieve like good results. That's really interesting. I have uh, hired a number of design agencies in my uh, in my career to work on various projects, and you know inevitably you're like three quarters of the way through the product uh, project, and I and I get the call of like, "Hi, I'm your new creative director. I'm taking over the project, uh, and so and so is not here anymore." Um, and these are typically, you know, like especially when I in the periods of time when I was in the corporate world, and these would be big giant projects, and they'd be, you know, multi hundred thousand dollar. Uh, budgets and all that kind of stuff with giant with big agencies and, and that kind of like you know the revolving door of the large design agencies is something we all understand you know in the design world uh and so there is something really interesting that you guys you, you invested first in the relationship i i don't know i can't help but think of you guys as a band and you haven't broke up after 12 albums like how is that possible <laughs> like you know <laughs> so. that's a that's a good comparison i mean we're not I, I w- i'll speak for myself i'm not cool in that way but i, I mean i like it because it 
to me, I I didn't go looking for some skill set. Uh, we were just together. We just knew each other, and we we all had a certain level of I wouldn't even say expertise, but willingness to do a job, and that was it. So it wasn't like there were no auditions. I mean, there was just. Are we going to commit to this? Sure. I don't think any of us really thought we'd still be around doing it today, but delightful to say we are. Um, but, it, you know, that aspect of it, I think, rings true. And then even like why, why we're still kind of chasing the client services work that we do. Um, I mean, I almost feel like in a way, you know, if you're playing music or in a band in that kind of a relationship, there's a, there, there are times, I think, in that journey, uh, speaking from just guessing, things just click and there's like a vibe. And so like, whether it's the songwriting or the material or the recording studio, whatever creative influences are going on in someone's life to make a really great album or, or, or put on a really great live show. I mean, maybe I'm elevating what we do a little bit too much, but I mean, I, I, that's what we chase, I think, with the, the services industry and, and the aspect of design. Um, of course, our, our number one goal is to deliver a product that works and achieves the goals of the client. Yeah. But I think in doing so, there you are chasing like setting the right vibe and getting the right information and asking the right questions and all of these tiny, tiny things that add up to produce what kind of feels like you're you know, almost in a flow state that that extends mm-hmm. over months. If you're if you set up the right project and you have the right people and everything's been communicated, like those projects are delightful. I mean, there's some that uh just uh, without any like solid list that I could come up with that would quantify how they have gone so well. Um, they just have. And those are kind of those memories that I think I'll take with me forever. Recently, we did the, a website for the Austin Chamber of Commerce. And that team was just so open to what we were doing. So maybe we were just spoiled by that one. Um, but but the, the process and, you know, it, there was a ton of legacy content and there was a lot to work through. There was some design system work and all of these things um, involved. And it just, for whatever reason, the attitudes of the team and, and, and their acceptance of us uh, made that project just super delightful and kind of one of those that you just put in the category of like, hopefully we'll be lucky enough to have another one where the vibe is like that and, and the, the final result and everything like that is, uh, is uh, as successful as it's been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have so many more questions, but let's just take a quick break uh, and we'll be right back with more. So today's episode of Presentable is brought to you by Pingdom. From SolarWinds. You know, today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, the most likely bounce if your website is loading too slowly. So, with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how your website performance issues affect your visitors' experience. Uh, that way, you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on their browser, their device, the platform that they use. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website. You can make informed optimizations that way and deliver a great performance to those who matter the most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability. And that means you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historic data or breaking the bank in the process. So get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial, 
and you don't even need a credit card. Then, when you sign up, just use the code PRESENTABLE at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM. And thanks to our friends at Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so here's the thing I want to uh, talk about, uh, in particular around client services, and that is this notion of professionalism. This has been something that, like, as my kids are getting, they're kind of preteen now, tween, they, you know, that sort of super awkward, <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. but on the verge of, uh, you know, either great things or disaster. You know how that, like, that, that's where I, where I see them right now. It's, it's wonder, a wonderful period. But, you know, how do I, I've been thinking, like, how do I set them up for some level of success beyond whatever they choose to do? Right. Beyond like I I have no desire to make them into designers or, you know, even be in tech if they don't want to leave that completely open. But I do feel like there's these, you know, principles of professionalism that like are so simple. You said yourself, your dad told you, like, be patient and show up, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like getting a 12 year old to to show up somewhere on time is like, like, uh, but but it, it feels like this kind of this core of of professionalism. And I want I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I'll be honest with you when we when I did professional services, I only did it at, uh, at Adaptive Path for five years. Um, even though that company you know went on for another dozen years, and it just didn't suit me. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I'll be really honest with you. I felt like professional services, uh, the client relationship was other people's problems that I had to solve. Right. And I had such a hard time motivating myself to do that. And, and, and I couldn't make that abstraction of like, these are all interesting problems and they're like applicable. Like there were just things I wanted to work on and they were not the same as my clients. And it was just a mess. Uh, and so I didn't do that professionalism very well. And I found the client relationship part of it super difficult. And when I got into product work and found a customer relationship, like that was way easier for me. And it's probably just personality or my own hangups back then. But anyway, I thought I'd talk about that with you for a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind is we've, uh, we've been point blank told while we've been hired for some of the like bigger, more interesting jobs uh, where we felt like we kind of maybe at the beginning had no business being there and we're sort of overwhelmed with the opportunity. <laughs> and and every time it's like, well, you had the right attitude. We knew if we put you in a room with like in like a very tense um, or like contentious situation where the, you know, there's a lot of opinions, we knew that you would fi- fix that or fig- not fix that, but figure that out, that you wouldn't come in and you wouldn't get defensive and you wouldn't be close, like closed off. Uh-huh. I knew that if I, if I, if I send you, if I say you should hire this, this team and, and you show up to do a kickoff meeting with this entire organization, uh, your attitudes will be as such that like the, pro- the project's going to happen. And I, I mean, I don't know exactly what the mindset was. Maybe it's, you know, Trent's, uh, you know, patient or calm enough to not get heated or say anything dumb. But I actually think it was maybe a little bit more about the experience of just knowing, like, if any, if we, I think if we want to be known for anything, it's we want to be known for people who will help you get the project done. And so we're very honest. Then hopefully, you know, that instills a sense of like, okay, if if we are having to uh, limit scope or change scope or or d- d- talk about this feature, whether or not we are going to include it, um, you know, we're, we we've been through this uh, this this process so many times that that. 
the, our best guesses are, are, are ones that hopefully instill a lot of uh, confidence. You know, it's like back in the day, it was like, I would want to, you know, I want the, the header to stick as you scroll, but then I also want to animate it and shrink it while it does that. You know, that may be a thing that we can do, but if we're trying to build an accessible website and, all, and we have all these other punch list things, you know, it's like we, we, uh, we've, we've gotten our share of gray hairs over the years realizing that this is not something you could turn around in, 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 in a day or two. Uh, so I think that's a big, a big part of it is just like being, being told that, it, you know, you're, you're, you're fine at talent wise. Sure, sure, sure. But the attitude and the, the uh, like willingness to work with people is the reason why we, we, we chose you. Um, so that's kept us humble uh, for, <laughs> for, for, for sure. Um, and then, you know, I, I think we uh, th- that's a part of working on how we work. Those, those, Chasing, I mean, that's almost like the, the the client problems and being interested in solving those. I think the early days for us, at least as a company of web design, it just conditioned us to, to like that um, because, I mean, it was fun. Uh, I reached out to a friend. They're starting a restaurant. Can we build your website? And then we get to listen to like sort of like, I mean, it's almost like interviewing people on a podcast in a way, if you look at it that way. It's like, what, what are your problems? What are you trying to do? Yeah. What does the site need to do? Um, and those went to like insurance companies and uh, like startups and authors. And so we spent a lot of time like where we, maybe we might have gotten bored. Just if you think about it, we've done web design for 13, 14, 15 years as an LLC. But we've been sort of like on these journeys with these people who in, in, in many cases were as desperate to succeed as, as we are and we were in those early days, begging friends for, for, for work. So, uh, you know, there was sort of like a kindred spirit there where we, we, we felt like, you know, in some ways the work we were doing was, was like important because we were helping this human do this thing that they wanted to do. To do. Uh, so, and it was lucky. I mean, we had a friend that had started an in, a small insurance company kind of the same year and they were like our third client. And so those that many stories, I think, kind of led into, especially in the early days, us being motivated to just you know make sure that we came through for them, and then hopefully just you know that 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 continues as we uh, take on bigger and bigger projects. And tell me about that that growth over time, right? You just said fourteen years as an LLC, and you know if you're starting with your buddies who's got a restaurant, uh, mm-hmm. that's not where you guys are today. Even even though it is just the three of you, right? You're much bigger clients and much larger scope to the projects and stuff like that. So it, it's interesting. There's sort of a you know a, a, a visualization of this where the team line doesn't move, but the scope line moves dramatically, and that's got to be kind of hard to manage. Like you're not 14 or 15 or 50 people, right? You're still three people. Like that's got to be really deliberate. Yeah, when we've needed more, we we just sort of bring friends in kind of independently. Mm. So, you know, that, that's, that's, but, but in essence, you're absolutely right. We've, we've stayed small. The scope, I don't know if it's increased. The, the, the uh, stakes have always, have, have highly increased over the years. Just the, 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 like what the site is and, you know, how much cheese we're moving and how many, how delicate we need to be or, or, or whatever. But it's also meant that we're bolting onto different teams. So yeah, I mean, sites have evolved from very relatively simple, e-commerce sites to, to, to really complex sites that, you know, the whole business is paying attention to now. I mean, that's the, that's the, I think the biggest change for us over the years is as sites went from like, well, let's hire somebody to build a website. We need to have a brochure up on the, the internet. You know, uh, 
marketing and sales and C-level people are, are primarily focused on websites. So it forced us to, I mean, kind of as the web grew and changed, we had to grow and change. So we found ourselves in rooms with friends who were building restaurants. Then, you know, the next year we found ourselves with people who were working at larger companies and they needed projects that needed to get done uh, and, you know, project manager types. And then, uh, you know, years down the road, we found ourselves sitting with like in a meeting with C-level people trying to to fit in and articulate what we do as designers and, and front end developers. It's been, again, I think through through the variety of the client relationships that we've had, it's helped us to evolve into, into, into some of those roles. But even today, there will be sometimes where I'm coding an HTML email and, and not particularly enjoying it, but it's part of the package. You know, it's, it's, it needs to get done. We call it Trent work uh, around here. And um but uh, but you know th- th- then the next like the next day I'm on a meeting with like a C level person presenting this like c- consultant package that we have done whether it's slides or like an interactive website that's just kind of advising them on what we would yeah. do for a particular aspect of the product which I think the variety is good you know kind of getting your hands dirty and doing things like that will will kind of I think keep you I think simultaneously focused on the professionalism and the uh, what would you say like. Just the consistency and reliability that we really hope to convey and, and, and instill, like in the services we provide the clients, but then also st- to keep us sharp. I mean, putting us on the spot with uh, high stakes projects, we we savor those moments as well. So I think both really work together to kind of keep you, uh, I don't know, like like keep, to keep service the service side of, of website building possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got then, uh, show up on time. That's the good one. Uh, (laughs) do what you say you're going to do. I heard that one in there. Uh, maybe also don't agree to things you can't do. Like that's a big one for, you know, the, the professionalism side of things. I'm making a list yeah. here to talk to the kids over dinner. So we're we'll yeah, this is funny because I have these same conversations. Like, if I told such and such client that I was going to build this website and then I didn't do it on this day when I said I would do it, do you think they'd want to hire me again? And the kids kind of look outside and they're like, no, I'm like, well, if you have your homework due tomorrow, you know, the same thing, same thing. But uh, so yeah, I, I do the same deal. But um, you know, I I think um, we are probably too honest. I mean, there, the, there's we are not good at sales. <laughs> you know, we're if we're talking about scoping a project, and maybe that's a good thing. I think people can tell, like, you know, it's again, and you mentioned this earlier. I'm the person, for better or worse, the three of us, who you will be dealing with. So if I say something, there's no like, oh, yeah, we'll get it done. Don't worry. And then they're like, I'm going to hand this off to someone else who like, surprise, you have to get this done. You know, my words came out of my mouth. I looked at the scope of the project. We, we bid it. You know, we talked about everything. We talked about any kind of concerns or, or pain points that could arise. Um, and then when, it, when those pain points do arise, it's still my voice and, you know, you know, our, our team that's working on it. So, I mean, I, you know, there is no like sell the project and bail out for me. Right. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think that kind of puts us in a situation where, you know, we, we definitely knowing that I will be doing the work. So uh, there's no way I'm going to over promise or get us into a situation where like expectations aren't set. Cause again, the morale of the team and the trust of the team, I think is so important to the final, like the outcome of the product uh, when it ships that if if they don't trust you at the beginning, you know, if they, if you if they get into a thing and they get if you get halfway into a project and they're thinking Trent said all this stuff just so he could make sure that they got that project, they're not going to trust me moving forward. 
So uh, yeah, you have to set the right tone from the get-go. Yeah, that's also like th- that same uh, tension exists in the product world, right? Like the notion that the people who are building and designing things are almost always different from the people who are marketing and selling those things, mm-hmm. right? And so any gaps in the difference there, like, and and it's on both sides, you know, like, what did you promise me? I'm got, I got to go sell this thing. And now that thing isn't ready. And versus like, why did you promise that to them? Like, we, we're never going to build mm-hmm. that. Like, oh my gosh, that's a, that is a conversation that goes as far back as business. And, you know, like, yeah. And for us, it's, uh, you know, a lot of times the client for our service is a product's building company and we are working on the product. So then, you know, we're, ex- we're exposed to very, very similar things where there's sales and marketing teams with perceptions of what they would like to the, the product to convey or do, or, or what, what features they would like to add. So it's interesting how we're, we're sort of like, we're working for whichever product owner hired us, you know, that's kind of the, our point person that we're working with day to day. But then now we're exposed to that same stuff uh, where I, I think being involved with so many different companies over the years sort of helped us to navigate that pretty well. Like you built websites that were brochures or like e-commerce platforms. And then, you you know, we, we did a lot of uh, like working on tools. I mean, even things like delivering web fonts, like we worked with, you know, on, 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 with, on Typekit a little bit, but I think like yeah. it went even to like every, lots of agencies have built their own CMS like systems, or they've like built plugins for like really popular CMS And so you know, you're sort of dabble in the tools for people who build websites world, no matter what, yeah. uh, just inherently by being a service provider. So like for us, I think the, that, that whole side of things has made things interesting where we have gone from generalists who like, we're the website people, we build websites to, um, situations where not only just different aspects of design, whether it's like UX or accessibility or performance and, and, and page speed, we're seeing like all of these other things like come into play, and what we're realizing is that like the 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 tension and the 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 uh, that happens with services or product processes is really, I think, rooted in like communication and trust and perception. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's 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 easier when there's just three of us and we're interfacing with one person, but at scale, it can become you know, harder to do. And as we bolt onto teams and we're just a small part of like maybe, because, you know, we may be a three person team, but we may also be playing a role in a 50 person team at any given moment. All right, let's uh, take another break and hear from our friends at Microsoft who have a new podcast uh, called The Inside Track, all about the automotive industry, how they're using technology. Uh, It's really cool. It's always fun to find a new podcast to listen to. Uh, This one is hosted by resident car guy, Kerry Lovell. The interviews that he does uh, are with industry experts, insiders, analysts, uh, and they, you know, they talk about long-term trends, evolving expectations that people have when buying cars and the effects of technology uh, and how it's advancing and what that's doing to the automotive industry. The show covers a bunch of segments like how artificial intelligence is being used in automotive manufacturing, uh, what's going on with connected vehicles, uh, how they're using cloud simulations and, and intelligent infrastructure. They've got guests from uh, Audi and Toyota, Anata, 
uh, Anisys, SBD Automotive, loads of stuff to listen to. It's really, really interesting. I was listening to an episode recently that had a fascinating discussion about the design of self-driving cars. Uh, in particular, it looked at how AI and massive clusters of cloud servers are being used to simulate what these vehicles might experience and measure how they might react. Uh, all of this is being done to improve autonomous cars way faster than they could by driving them around in the real world. Uh, so really compelling stuff. Go have a listen. Uh, you just search for the inside track wherever you get your podcast or click the link uh, that I'll put in the show notes. So thanks to the Inside Track and Microsoft for their sh support of this show and all of Relay FM. Yeah, you know, that's also interesting. If you, if you think about, uh, you mentioned how the work is changing over the past mm -hmm. 15 years. I mean, you, you started Paravel when we started Typekit, 2008-ish, you know, uh, 2009, yeah. right around that time. I remember having a meeting in New York with this brand new startup with this super enthusiastic founder. The name of the company was Squarespace. They wanted to talk about fonts, <laughs> you know. They were they were 30 people or whatever and like, you know, looking back like I even even in 2008 you could start a company that made web pages and landing pages and you could do all of that and today it seems like a lot of that kind of work has been frankly automated. And so it does mean that I see a three-person uh, and I, I don't know how you feel about the term, but a boutique agency that has yeah. just a handful of people, like they're not going to be spending, I, I don't think, a ton of time making individual web, web pages so much as focusing on helping teams with with design systems and, you know, moving kind of up the food chain, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely become that. I mean, whether it's we still we still do have a few projects where they are like we need a website and we want you to design this page but it is more into i mean i think just as you know the the roles that are that are focused on a website you know our our job here is to build things and, and as consultants make sure that um and i think this is part of our our process that we've evolved over the years make sure the things that we're um providing as Oh, deliverables uh, or just focal points of the, the the project, be it a prototype, be things that do everything that they can to, to to align perceptions across all disciplines in the organization. So, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, if, if, if somebody's focused on the tool that they use every day, be it if it's a design and they're focused on Figma and Sketch, it's not a bad thing. And if there's a, an engineer and they're living in code, if there's somebody who's focused on maybe their tool of choice is just like spreadsheets or they make slides and they make decks or they, or they spend their time doing A-B testing and all they do are, are calls and record videos, their perception of the website is going to be dramatically shaped by the thing that they look at the most. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, we need, a ver just as we need a variety of, of perceptions in, in every sense, even in discipline, we want that. But then when it's time to, to build the one thing that all users are going to see, you don't want that to be something that, um, uh, you know, is like kind of something where people are, are chiseling or arguing over and just trying to get their little piece in where it's, it's more of like, uh, you know, a, 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 a perfect harmony, if you will, of like what everyone, what everyone's goals and the, you know, the, the roles that set forth, like what they're trying to achieve with the project. So it's like, you know, if somebody's loading a page over and over and it's very, very slow and they're like, yeah. I hate this, the same person may look at that and be like, well, I designed it this way. This imagery is fantastic. This is perfect. And so making sure that all of those opinions are, are, are met as like harmoniously as possible usually will, will be better because a lot of times 
it's it's more of a, a of an infighting situation where like you know we have change orders and things happening after the fact. So it's been it's for us. It's I think that's kind of the the thing that we chase now is why and why I think morale is so important that we we. It, it it isn't really what we show mm-hmm. like and how we do design it's like when we do it and how we're communicating it and who we're bringing along with us or actually I should say like including and letting us guide them uh in their own sense so uh yeah like i think that the larger teams you know as we've shifted from individual pages to like larger scoped websites now into systems and things like that uh the inclusion of roles i think is more even more important and more complex than Getting the designs done, getting the, the the code written, those are complex. I'm not trying to trivialize, tri- trivialize those, <laughs> but yeah. um, that that, that I, you know we've seen things not ship with excellent code that were performant and that were designed and, and met all yeah. of the specifications, but people weren't with us or people weren't with the team that we were working on, and so f- for me now, I think the biggest thing in the client services. It, point is is almost coming in and making sure that that just as we knew that a sticky header might not stick the right way on right. a certain device a couple of years ago now it's these people aren't talking and and, and you know we, we call it code smell with weird css that we're having to write to force things you almost call it like i don't i'm, I'm going to make up a term now but it's almost like vibe or or like yeah. organizational smell that i don't like that at all <laughs> but 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 you get a you know get yeah. you get a sense of People haven't been talking, or something's not right. Like I don't see how all these are going to connect when it when it's important. And so, uh, just as much as we focus on the design aspect thing, uh, aspects of things, we focus on perception of everyone involved, making sure they're included and and uh, they're being able to you know output into the project. Yeah, no, that's good. That rem- I mean, it just reminds me of so many years ago when we were doing very early web design we're doing like strategic stuff for with adaptive path and it was always this moment where i could of course go up to the whiteboard and draw what was at the time a very standard web page which has a logo and then tabs remember tabs we always use tabs for our navigation and then i would turn to the room and say what goes on the tabs and then i would step back for two hours while everybody screamed at each other right because Mm -hmm. you know because that was the moment when you could see like oh what we're talking about here is you organizational organizational structure and more importantly who has power in that structure right mm-hmm. and and that was and of course none of that had anything to do with what any customer ever wanted uh and that was of course the game like here we go we're gonna we're gonna get you like from your power struggle to what people really need to see up there and it's not gonna match you just said you just said the most true thing about Web design in general, and it's still true to this day. The 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 sitemap so often reflects the structure of the organization. Like exactly, if you yeah. want to see like the the you scroll scroll onto the footer and see the sitemap links down there. Um, and you know, I think about that a lot. You know, and, and a lot of times it's said as a negative. Uh, I don't think you were implying it in, in what you were saying, but just the idea that well, you know, people just dump all their like organ their their divisions, yeah. and then that's that's it because every vice president wants their link on the page. That's okay, maybe, but uh, I don't know that it's a bad thing because again, it's it's how you go about doing that. If all sure. these roles are working for different goals, again, it's 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 if everyone's um, and what you just facilitated is exactly what needs to happen. Is you you put something forth that will help align perceptions, and sometimes people need to have it out and, and say things. Uh, just so that everyone's heard, but I think that that's the thing. Is the the at its best, the site you know is is 
I think meeting the goals of the organization or of the organization as a whole. And so you need to kind of find a way to average all that out, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, this has been great. Just really wonderful. I, I wanted to talk to you about this idea of service, really, which is what you've been provided. It's something I think probably will be my theme for the new year uh, in that like, I'm spending more and more of my time uh, working with the founders we have already invested in to help mm -hmm. them in any way to ensure that their ideas can see the light of day, right? Like that's uh, in in this like venture capital role that I, I spend my time in, that seems to be the the most valuable thing we can possibly do to help them. Like you know, and to me, I'm like, well, that's being of service to them, right? Which is a very different power dynamic or whatever than most venture capital in history has been, where it's been a, a you know a board member relationship. But the idea of being in service is something that I'm particularly interested in, especially, you know, considering what we've been through in this last year and how many of us uh, have struggled, but many of us also feel grateful for having been through it and, uh, and all of that. I don't know. I think service is really, really interesting thing to focus on for a little while. Yeah, it's funny what you just described. It's, it's, it's fundamentally different, but it seems so similar to what I was talking about in the early days of here's a human trying to do something. How can we help them do it? Yeah. Yeah. How can we be of service? So good. Well, we got plenty of work to do then. <laughs> Happy new year. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, Trent, thanks so much. Uh, I'm going to throw some links into the show notes. Uh, you are one of those rare people that still puts time and effort into a personal website. That's awesome. So we'll put, uh, we'll put links to that and to Paravel, yeah. uh, uh, in the show notes. Anything else you want to talk or you want to plug or, uh, anywhere else people can find out more? Oh, no, we're on Twitter. We've got the websites. You'll see the links. Thank you so much for, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a, it's been a great time talking. Uh, it's always a joy to catch up with you. Thanks so much, Trent. Thanks. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Veen and this was Presentable. <laughs>